This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Cole Kushner. Today, we finally begin our analysis of Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. On our last episode, we explored Kanye's early discography and life events leading up to the creation of Twisted Fantasy. We saw how Kanye's innovative soul-sampling production of The College Dropout matured with the inclusion of orchestral textures on late registration and was augmented with brassy, arena-filling synthesizers on graduation. We also saw how his mother's passing and the dissolution of his marriage engagement influenced the departure album 808s and Heartbreak. Here, a unique instrumentation of 808 electronic drums, various synthesizers, and traditional acoustic instruments back Kanye's lamenting autotune vocals. Finally, we saw how the 2009 VMA debacle vilified Kanye and sent him on a self-imposed exile, first to Japan, then Rome, and finally to Hawaii. Here, Kanye indefinitely blockbook all three session rooms of the AVEX recording studio in Honolulu. He would import some of the world's best producers, MCs, and artists to form what he called Rap Camp. He would rarely sleep, working long hours through the night, moving from room to room as he directed what would become his comeback album, his backhanded apology album, the album many argue to be among the greatest albums ever created. Of course, we're talking about Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Can we get much Over the next 12 or so episodes, we're going to unpack my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in incredible detail. With an episode dedicated to each song on the album, we'll explore both the musical and lyrical content while examining how each song contributes to the album's loose narrative arc. To make this a little more manageable, we're going to divide the album in three acts. Act one, Beautiful, is comprised of the songs Dark Fantasy, Gorgeous, Power, and All of the Lights. Act two, Dark, is comprised of Monster, So Appalled, Devil in a New Dress, and Runaway. Act 3, Twisted, contains Hell of a Life, Blame Game, Lost in the World, and the brief epilogue, Who Will Survive in America. Over the course of these acts, Kanye will outline his rise and fall from public grace and provide a kaleidoscopic meandering into the deep recesses of his mind, his fantasies. 
One moment he's brash and confident, the next he's vulnerable and lost. He'll expose the dark underbelly of fame while philosophizing on his relationship with his inner childlike creativity. These themes are housed in a colossal sonic edifice, a Roman coliseum of expansive, detailed production. And while we could continue to preface this album at nauseum, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm antsy to jump in, as I'm sure you are. So, without further ado, let's dissect. You might think you've peeped the scene. You haven't. The real one's far too mean. The watered-down one, the one you know, was made up centuries ago. They made it sound all whack and corny. Yes, it's awful, blasted, boring. Twisted fiction, sick addiction. We'll gather around children. Separate lesson. The first sounds we hear on my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy are the processed, harmonized vocals of Bon Iver's Justin Vernon, over which rapper Nicki Minaj recites an urbanized version of a fairy tale. This introduction, in many ways, encapsulates the musical and thematic arc of the entire album. Musically, we have a fascinating, entirely strange juxtaposition of a white male indie folk singer from Wisconsin with a black female rapper from New York imitating a British accent. As we'll see, the juxtaposition of otherwise contrasting elements will be employed throughout the entire album, displaying Kanye's talent of directing, of orchestrating, of coalescing a diverse array of musicians and sounds to create something entirely new. Thematically, the fairy tale introduction is a synopsis of the central subject of the album, fame, and Kanye's complex relationship to fame. The tale is based on Roald Dahl's dark, twisted retelling of Cinderella, part of his revolting rhymes poems that reinterpret well-known fairy tales, specifically giving them morbid, unexpected endings that contrast with the traditional happily ever after approach. I guess you think you know this story. You don't. The real one's much more gory. The phony one, the one you know, was cooked up years and years ago and made to sound all soft and sappy just to keep the children happy. In Dahl's version, Cinderella meets a magic fairy who grants the poor housemaid her wish to attend a prince's ball decked in the finest clothes. After dancing with the prince all night, the clock strikes 12 and Cinderella hurries home, leaving her shoe behind. The prince plans to use the shoe to find Cinderella and ask her hand in marriage, but Cinderella's stepsister sneakily switches Cinderella's shoe for her own. What happens next is, well, pretty twisted. Now came the ugly sister's girl. One tried it on. The prince screamed, no! But she screamed, yes, it fits, whoopee, so now you've got to marry me. The prince went white from ear to ear. He muttered, let me out of here. Oh, no, you don't, you made a vow. There's no way you can back out now. Off with her head, the prince roared back. He chopped it off with one big whack. This pleased the prince. He smiled and said, she's prettier without her head. Then up came sister number two, who yelled, Now I will try the shoe. Try this instead, the prince yelled back. He swung his trusty sword and smack, her head went crashing to the ground. It bounced a bit and rolled around. After the sister's beheading, the prince arrives at Cinderella's house, where she discovers the prince's dark side. He chops off heads. How could I marry anyone who does that sort of thing for fun? The prince cried, Who's this dirty slut? Off with her nut! Off with her nut! The magic fairy returns in the nick of time and grants Cinderella another wish. Having experienced both the good and evil of luxury, Cinderella's wish is a little more modest this time around. Kind fairy, this time I shall be more wary. No more princes, no more money. I have had my taste of honey. I'm wishing for a decent man. 
They're hard to find. Do you think you can? Within a minute, Cinderella was married to a lovely fella, a simple jam maker by trade, who sold good homemade marmalade. Their house was filled with smiles and laughter, and they were happy ever after. Knowing the backstory of Kanye's rise and sudden fall from public grace, the parallels of Dahl's Cinderella story and Kanye's own life reveal themselves quite clearly. The prince and his wealth become a metaphor for fame and its indulgences, which for the first four years of his career was like dancing with the prince all night. Suddenly, the clock strikes 12, which we might liken to the VMA incident, and the underbelly of fame reveals itself. Kanye finds himself all but decapitated. The Disney version of the Cinderella story Kanye believed to be true was farcical. It turns out the real story was more akin to Dahl's twisted reimagining. With this in mind, let's listen again to the introduction of Dark Fantasy. You might think you've peeped the scene. You haven't. The real one's far too mean. The watered-down one, the one you know, was made up centuries ago. They made it sound all whack and corny. Yes, it's awful, blasted, boring. Twisted fiction, sick addiction, will gather around children's separate lesson. Kanye's reimagining of Dahl's reimagining of Cinderella modernizes the tale without altering its message. Fame, luxury, power, influence, these things at a distance seem to be beautiful and magical and one-dimensionally idyllic. But as the intro suggests, that viewpoint is watered down, a mere twisted fiction. With this album, Kanye is going to reveal to us the dark side of the fantasy that is fame. This brief but potent introduction collides directly with dark fantasy's hook. Can we get much Dark Fantasy was produced by Kanye West and the RZA of Wu-Tang fame, with additional production by Mike Dean and Jeff Basker. The hook opens with a majestic, richly voiced F major chord played by piano and cellos. The piano chord is followed by a sample of Mike Oldfield's In High Places from the 1983 album Crisis. Can we get much higher? Can we get much lighter? Navigator. In Dark Fantasy, the sample is pitched two semitones lower than the original. Can we get much higher? Can we get much higher? The sample is answered by an array of richly layered vocals sung by Tiana Taylor, who at the time was a protege of Pharrell, and whom Kanye knew through their mutual interest in fashion. Lyrically, the hook is just one line, can we get much higher? Here at the beginning of the album's narrative, Kanye is establishing himself as being at the height of success questioning how things could get any better than being a famous, successful musician in America. The lavishness with which this line is performed helps accentuate this message. We hear the luxury, the glamour, the indulgence. It sounds as beautiful as fame and wealth do to someone looking from the outside in. Indeed, it would seem one couldn't get much higher, which means there's only one way to go. Down. The driving, haunting beat that serves as Dark Fantasy's verses was produced by the RZA. 
While there's no credited sample, Rizza was sued by Taichiku Entertainment for his alleged use of a Miko Kaji song. If we were to loop the clip in question, it would sound like this. Now slower and pitched down. And now let's compare that with Dark Fantasy's verses. Of course, the two sound strikingly similar, and seeing how the RZA used Miko Kaji as part of the Kill Bill movie soundtrack four years prior, it would seem RZA knew of her existence. But whether RZA actually sampled the piece is certainly disputable, and RZA himself was so adamant against the claim that he actually countersued Taichiko Entertainment. This is just my own speculation, but it's likely the Kaja track served as inspiration and the parts themselves were re-recorded by studio musicians. The verse is a striking contrast from the grandeur of the song's opening hook. Again, this juxtaposition is a conscious execution that we'll see time and again, accentuating the duality of fame, the album's prominent theme. The contrast is created most obviously through instrumentation, as a driving drumbeat and a percussive use of the piano is introduced. But Kanye, whether he knows it or not, also employed a classic tonal modulation that I believe makes these two contrasting parts work together without sounding totally disconnected from one another. The song's hook is in the key of F major and founded on four chords, F major, A minor, B flat major, and C major. This is a pretty straightforward use of harmony. It creates a pattern that can be easily looped due to the last chord of the progression being what we call a dominant chord. The dominant chord is a chord of tension. When we hear it, whether we know it or not, we crave returning to the tonic or home chord of the key signature, which in this case is F major. Let's hear the two back to back. Tonic. Dominant. Tonic. We can play any number of chords between the dominant and tonic home chord. But once we hear that dominant chord, we really, really want to go here to F major. Ah, it just feels good, right? It resolves. It's tension and release. And again, whether you know it or not, your ears trained to hear this chord and yearn for this resolving chord. In music theory, this move from the dominant chord to the tonic chord is called a cadence. When the hook of dark fantasy drops into the verse section, we don't get the F major chord as a resolving chord. Instead, we get a D minor chord. Dominant, D minor. Let's hear that transition on piano alone. Dominant, D minor. This move is called a deceptive cadence. Our ear thinks we're headed one place, in this case F major, and instead we get the key's relative minor chord, D minor. The transition then becomes unexpected, but not totally jarring. That's because two of the three notes in a D minor chord are also found in the F major chord. D minor is made up of D, F, A, and F major is made up of F, A, C. This relationship between an F major chord, a quote-unquote happy chord, 
and D minor, a quote unquote dark chord, is called relative minor. D minor is literally F major's dark side, duality, contrast, two sides of the same coin, a tonal representation of the glamour of fame and its dark underbelly. This is cool stuff, guys. With all this in mind, let's listen again to that transition one more time. The cryptic, thematic setup of Dark Fantasy's fairy tale introduction, the majesticness of the opening hook, and the striking transition into the verse section create a powerful platform on which Kanye makes his grand entrance. Kanye himself increases the anticipation with a series of simple yas before the music drops out entirely, and he says the now iconic opening lines. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasize about this back in Chicago. Mercy, mercy me, that mercy a go. That's me, the first year that I blow. How you say broke in Spanish me no Kanye begins the album, I fantasize about this back in Chicago. Having used the first two episodes of the season detailing Kanye's childhood and rise through the ranks of the music industry, we know how potent this seemingly simple line is. We know since a young age Kanye's genuine passion for art and innovation was always juxtaposed with an almost uncontrollable yearning for the attention and adoration that came with high-profile success. It would seem fame was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, driving force that propelled Kanye's ascent. Indeed, this opening line seems to acknowledge that his relationship with fame begins with his childhood fantasies of fame and the Cinderella happily ever after ending he thought it'd bring. The second and third line of the verse jump cut 20-some-odd years later, he says, mercy, mercy me, that mercy alago. That's me the first year that I blow. Here, I believe Kanye is referencing his debut album, The College Dropout. In classic Kanye form, he juxtaposes mercy, mercy me by Marvin Gaye and a Lamborghini mercy alago sports car. Gaye's mercy, mercy me is a clever representation of the soul sampling sound Kanye became famous for. And the sports car represents the reckless materialism it would seem he indulged in once he became successful. Intentional or not, Mercy Mercy Me contains a refrain that could be heard as foreshadowing the story Kanye is set to tell on Twisted Fantasy. Mercy Mercy Me, things ain't what they used to be. A line that we can easily apply to Kanye's relationship with fame and the position he finds himself post-VMAs. Kanye continues to display his youthful materialism as verse one continues. Kanye says, how you say broken Spanish, me no hablo. Me no hablo translates to I don't know, a clever way to convey that he's so rich the word broke isn't in his vocabulary. This line becomes even wittier when we realize that the phrase broke in Spanish can also be heard broken Spanish, slang for sloppy or bad Spanish. The phrase me no hablo is just that, Kanye's sloppy Spanish. Adding to this crafty use of double meaning are the subsequent lines in which Kanye uses the word me in place of I, something that those speaking broken English often do. He says, me drowned sorrow in that Diablo, me found bravery in my bravado. 
Diablo is Spanish for devil. It's also the name of a Lamborghini, a callback to the Murcielago reference we heard just a few lines back. Kanye drowning his sorrow in that Diablo, which represents both materialism and the devil or sin, will come to have major significance as the album progresses with songs like Devil in a New Dress and Hell of a Life. Things get darker and more intricate when we realize that a Diablo has suicide doors, suicide being a topic he'll address on the album's third song, Power. The line, me found bravery in my bravado, is equally revealing. In a sense, it could be viewed as a synopsis for Kanye's entire career. It calls to mind the 2004 quote we read in our last episode, in which Kanye stated, quote, I say in my songs I'm so insecure, so a lot of times, arrogance is to combat insecurity. So in order for me to go out there and do what I've done, facing insecurity and facing people telling me I couldn't do it, I had to build a force field around myself, unquote. Indeed, with the stakes of twisted fantasy so high in Kanye's mind, it would seem that the grandiosity of the album is itself a form of musical bravado, and the very act of creating a work so blatantly ambitious as Kanye, at a very low point in his life, proving to himself his value, his worth, reinstating the force field. The first verse concludes with a series of boasts, which almost feel like a defense mechanism coming after lines as reflective and revealing as the previous ones we just heard. I'm just a shot town nigga with a nice flow. And my chicken that new Phoebe Philo. So much head I woke up to sleepy hollow. In case you're wondering, Serato is a computer music program many contemporary DJs use when performing. Kanye fakes ignorance while comparing his rhyming skills to New York rapper Nas, which is cleverly pronounced in such a way as also to hear the word nice. Kanye then states his chick is wearing the influential fashion designer Phoebe Follow. From models wanting to hear his songs, to his comparison with Nas, to aligning himself with high fashion designers, we're starting to get a picture of the cocky, naive character Kanye is introducing, one who seems to be very concerned with fame, materialism, and portraying an image. The verse concludes with what is on its surface, an amusing oral sex pun, that Kanye gets so much head he wakes up in Sleepy Hollow, a reference to the grim, classic tale of the Headless Horseman. But Sleepy Hollow is also a neighborhood in Chicago, just miles from Kanye's childhood home, which brings the verse full circle, back to the opening line, I fantasize about this back in Chicago. This verse and the things that are spoken on, cars, clothes, women, alcohol, sex, are all a part of Kanye's youthful fantasy, a fantasy he now finds himself living. It would seem the line between reality and make-believe are blurred for Kanye West, and this album will be an attempt to make sense of the world in which he finds himself living. Spoiler alert, the album ends on a song called Lost in the World, so let's not go expecting a fairy tale ending. After an abbreviated performance of the song's hook, verse 2 begins. Look like a fat booty Celine Dion, sex is on fire, I'm the king of Leona Lewis, beyond the truest. Hey, teacher, teacher, tell me how do you respond to students? The first two lines of verse 2 could be viewed as a continuation of the last lines on the first verse. Kanye continues the sex reference with the fat bootied Celine Dion, which is wordplay with the earlier reference to designer Phoebe Follow. In 2008, Follow signed with the French fashion brand Celine, a subsidiary of Louis Vuitton, and her debut line premiered in 2009, the time Kanye was writing Twisted Fantasy. The next line, Sex is on Fire, I'm the King of Leon Lewis, again continues the sexual reference with clever wordplay. 
Kanye is referencing the rock band Kings of Leon and their big 2008 hit Sex is on Fire. Kanye, of course, takes Kings of Leon and adds Leona Lewis, a British pop singer and songwriter whose long face does resemble Celine Dion's in an odd way and could be the quote-unquote fat booty version Kanye referenced in the previous line. By calling himself King, Kanye is again being boastful, but there's also something more cryptic between the lines. Francis King Louis, or Louis XVI, was infamously beheaded during the French Revolution, Kanye here may be likening himself in the VMA backlash to King Louis' beheading. For further evidence, one image in Twisted Fantasy's album artwork is Kanye's disembodied head with a large sword through its skull. Also, Louis being a French king links nicely to the French brand Celine and Phoebe Follow referenced just moments earlier. As the verse continues, Kanye again turns more introspective. Kanye begins this section with a reference to the Slick Rick classic, Hey Teacher Teacher. Following Kanye's Slick Rick interpolation, he asks, quote, How do we respond to students? Refresh the page and restart the memory. Respark the soul and rebuild the energy. It would seem Kanye is looking for a fresh start, a reinvigoration. With the reference to Teacher and the students so early in the album, it's hard not to think of his first three albums, the so-called College Trilogy. Kanye may be alluding to those days of excitement, for both himself and his fan base, and searching for a way to recreate the energy and influence of that era. Similar to verse 1, Kanye briefly turns introspective before returning to an adolescent-like denial of reality. Kanye says, Sorry for the night demons still visit me. The plan was to drink until the pain over, but what's worse, the pain or the hangover? By referencing night demons, a line that's backed by detuned demonic sounding vocals, Kanye is clearly hinting at a troubled psyche. Night demons could represent any number of things, his mother's death, the end of his engagement, and or the backlash of the VMAs, and his complicated relationship with fame. He then alludes to heavy drinking to numb his pain, but then very insightfully questions the consequences of delaying reality with alcohol, knowing that the inevitable hangover only makes reality more painful. The next line, fresh air rolling down the window, is a palate cleanser, and transitions from introspection back to Kanye's youthful denial. He cleverly cracks a joke with the line, too many Urkels on your team, that's why your wind's low. This is a reference to the 1990s sitcom Family Matters, which starred the Winslow family and their nerdy neighbor Steve Urkel. Did I do that? Did I do that? Kanye follows the Urkel line by referencing again his car collection, which he cryptically calls his toys, accentuating his adolescent mentality and bringing the closing of verse 2 full circle 
back to the themes and motives introduced in verse 1. After another abbreviated hook, the bridge begins a fantastical, cryptic scene at a mall. Seance. Just kids, no parents. Then the sky filled with herons. So the devil and the Christ of the baron. The bridge opens with the lines At the mall, there was a seance, just kids, no parents. A seance is a meeting at which people gather and attempt to communicate with the dead. The imagery of kids alone in a mall looking for dead spirits is our first real glimpse into the phantasmagoric recesses of the character and world being created on Twisted Fantasy. Having alluded to escapism through material things in verse 2, we can view them all as representative of consumerism, and we get the feeling that the kid's attempt to find spirituality here is directionless and vain. The bridge continues, Then the sky filled with herons. I saw the devil in a Christ baron. This is a juxtaposition of heaven and hell, good and evil. In Egyptian mythology, herons represent goodness and light. And of course, the image of the devil in a now discontinued Chrysler which sounds a lot like Chrysler, is a vivid, eerie depiction of evil. As the bridge concludes, it would seem that for now, evil is the upper hand. Kanye says, and the hell it wouldn't spare us, and the fires did declare us. Again, we're reminded of Kanye's recent personal tragedies here, but he uses us, not me, which would seem to apply a more general observation about the world around him. Whatever darkness he's alluding to, he clearly looks to escape with the next lines, but after that, took pills, kissed at Harris, and woke up back in Paris. Cleverly, Kanye rhymes Harris with Paris, referencing Paris Hilton, the socialite Harris of Hilton Hotels, who entered the limelight for a leaked sex tape. It's a fitting analogy, as Kanye uses her to represent escapism through sex and drugs. By saying he wakes up back in Paris, we assume the seance scene was a drug-induced reverie, our first glimpse into the beautiful, dark, twisted fantasies occurring in his subconscious. After the bridge's conclusion, we get a third repetition of the abbreviated hook, followed by an instrumental passage based on the verse's musical material. At the 3.51 mark, a very standard duration for a song, the instrumental material ends quite naturally, and the song feels over. But rather than end here, Kanye chooses to repeat the song's opening hook in full, all 47 seconds of it. By using the introduction again as the outro, Dark Fantasy becomes bookended by these large ornate pillars. Coming after what felt so much like an ending, this closing section serves as the retraining of our musical instincts, as if Kanye is purposely shifting our expectations of things to come. Indeed, the average duration of a song on Twisted Fantasy is nearly six minutes, far from the three minutes and 30 second norms of popular music. Twisted Fantasy is a deliberate sonic spectacle, a Sistine Chapel approach to hip-hop, and Dark Fantasy is the initial brushstrokes. 
Conclusions You might think you've peeped the scene. From its opening moments, Dark Fantasy establishes the sound, themes, and narrative that will be explored throughout my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Sonically, it consolidates Kanye's entire musical palette and creative powers, developed over his first four solo albums. It's a beautiful amalgamation of soul, hip-hop, R&B, classical, and gospel, at once seamless and juxtaposed, and utterly grandiose. It's music made to leave us in awe, to marvel at its sheer sonic magnitude and deft craftsmanship. Lyrically, we find Kanye at perhaps his most economical. Woven within just two compact verses and a brief bridge, Kanye establishes a complex character who on the surface appears confident and living a luxurious life of fame and fortune. But veiled beneath the surface is a struggle between good and evil, someone who finds escapism through drugs, sex, and materialism, someone who shows glimpses of deep introspection, but is too adolescent-minded at this point in the narrative to meditate too long on anything that would cause him real pain. There's multiple references to devils and demons, and the dream imagery and juxtapositions leave us somewhere between fantasy and reality. Indeed, Dark Fantasy repeatedly asks, can we get much higher? By the song's end, we're questioning our initial interpretation of ascending triumph, and wondering whether Kanye is just experiencing a drug-induced reverie. Simply put, Dark Fantasy is one hell of an opener, a bar set so high so early, we wonder how the rest of the album won't pale in comparison. Well, it doesn't. Indeed, Kanye delivers what many feel to be his best lyrical performance of his career on the album's next track, Gorgeous, which we'll thoroughly examine next time on Dissect. Dissect is written and produced by me, theme music by Bureaucratic. If you enjoy Dissect, consider dropping a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show, or share a link on your favorite social media outlet. There's no team behind Dissect, it's just me, and I can use all the help I can get growing the show. Follow at Dissect Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Dissect community group on Facebook by searching Dissect Podcast. If you'd like to support Dissect, you can do so at patreon.com dissect. It takes me on average around 20 plus hours to research, write, record, edit, mix, master, and publish each episode you hear. I also work full-time and have a wife and child, so you can imagine my time is very precious. My dream is to one day be able to produce Dissect full-time. If every listener of this show pledged just $1 per month, I could very easily do that. In any case, you'd be helping Dissect become more sustainable and help me offset some of the costs of the show. A huge shout-out to my diamond-level supporters Evan Sweat, Salmon Chaudhry, Judy Kushna, that's my mom, and Jonathan Hardyway for their extra-generous support. Again, that's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash dissect. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week.